Hey everyone, welcome back to Should I Cut Bangs? I'm your host, Kaylee. Today we are joined by a very special guest. My mom is in town and we are going to be chatting about some of her Should I Cut Bangs life moments, deep diving into her big life decisions, what led her to those choices and how she got through them. But before we get into the meat of the episode, we are going to do current loves. So my current loves for this week are a couple of beauty products I've been using for a while. A few months ago, actually probably almost a year ago, I switched from using a, what do you call it? Like those shower loofahs that are like a dollar at Target that we all have been using our entire lives that just fall apart after not so much use. I also feel like they're probably really gross and hold a lot of bacteria in them. Anyway, so I switched from using one of those to using a silicone loofah and I'm probably late to the game on that, but I love using a silicone loofah. And I also got Josh on the silicone loofah game and we both are obsessed. So I got mine on Amazon. I'll link it in my stories and it's great. My next current love is one that I've been using for a couple of years now as well. And it's the Billy razor. I love this razor. I think it's the best razor Actually, I know for a fact it's the best razor I've ever used. That's why I've been using it for years. But everything about it is so great. And you can have like the subscription to it. So they just keep mailing me the razor heads whenever I need new ones. And the color is really cute. It just like magnets to the little thing in your shower. And it's like ergonomic. So it's comfortable to hold. It's great. I have like really smooth skin because of it. I don't have any razor burn with it. Everything about it is great. And I think everybody should be using a Billy razor. It's really affordable too. I feel like some razors are just really expensive. Anyway, those are my current loves for this week. And I will link both of those in my story for you guys. And now we are going to introduce my mother, Danielle. Everybody knows that I call her by her first name. Don't be shocked. That's very normal between us. So hello, Danielle. Hello, Kaylee. So how long have we known each other? Quite a while. Quite a while. Actually, actually, I'm going to probably get your age wrong. I really am. I know you were born in 1994. I think everyone this year, we have this odd even thing going on. But anyway, I think that you are on an odd, I think we're on the odd years. Yeah, we're on the odds because it's an odd year. Yes. So we might be odd people. I'm not sure. But <laughs> anyway, I think you're 26 turning 27. No. I'm wrong. I am wrong. Okay, do I get a guess? Do I get another guess? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I get another guess. Well, then if you're not... 20 so then you're are you 29 are I'll, you gonna be 29 be 29 this year oh my gosh okay yes okay do you yeah. think I'm old no I think I'm just shocked that I didn't get that right and I just had no desire and or the ability to do the math from 1994 <laughs> to 2023 but yeah did you wish for me to have red hair actually that is that's a factual statement she claims 
She was alone, so there's no witnesses. What happened? I, finding out that Kaylee was going to be my third daughter, initially I was like, wow. I was kind of thinking, you know, this might be fun to have a boy just for a little change in the lineup, I suppose. Finding that out, leaving the ultrasound appointment, I said to myself, it would be wonderful if she had red hair and green eyes. When she was born, here was this red hair, not green eyes, but red hair. And uh, everyone said to me, oh, her hair is going to change color. And I said, no, it's not. And they said, well, how do you know that? Because, you know, babies frequently change hair color. And her eyebrows (laughs) were red. (laughs) So that's how I knew that was an indicator that she was going to have red hair. Today, Danielle and I are going to chat about one topic of quite a few of her Should I Cut Bangs Life moments. But before we jump into that, Danielle, have you ever cut your own bangs? I have. Yes, I'm guilty of cutting my own bangs a couple days ago, (laughs) (laughs) which this is twofold for my trip to Arizona so that Kaylee will be kind enough to fix my bangs that I cut a couple days ago. That's always the case. It's always like, Kaylee, will you cut my bangs? And I'm like, okay, yeah. And then it's like an hour later. She's like, so I cut my own bangs. Will you fix them? And I'm like, (laughs) I would have cut them. Did you ever cut your own bangs as a kid? I did cut my own bangs and they were not that awful, but they're not that great. And there's actual evidence of having it done done. myself. (laughs) Yes, it actually was in a school picture. If you were to get bangs, who would you ask the advice? Like, oh, should I a, get bangs? Oh, should I cut bangs? So if I was going to ask, well, I would ask you. <laughs> I would ask you because I ask you things, you know, you actually were my stylist. And, yeah. You before know, I retired. Before you retired and industry. before we moved away from each other. But yeah, yes. even when I quit doing hair, the week of my wedding, yes. I did your hair. Yes, you did. The week of my wedding. Yes. What about back in the day when you were little? Back. Who would you ask oh, if like, you should cut bangs? Oh, <clears throat> my best friend. I would probably, and she would probably be the one that I would have asked. Yeah. Because, you know. Because she had groovy hair. She had better hair than me, but she's always had really, really great hair. So my mom and I have a very unique relationship, I feel like. I mean, obviously we have like a mother and daughter relationship, but I feel like since I was going to say since we've both become adults, since I've become an adult, I feel like we have, we still have like parent-child relationship, but I feel like we have very like adult-adult relationship. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. So I feel like we've talked about a lot of things from when I was a kid and things that you've had to go through, different struggles that you've gone through when I was a tiny baby that I was present for, but not like mentally present for because I was literally a one-year-old. So my mom, how many times have you been married? Three. Three times. Yes. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. It is. It's not a bad. It is just a thing. Yeah. There's no shame in being divorced and being married multiple times. Um, I think that there's stigmas around that like divorce and in being married multiple times. But I think that any stigma around stuff like that is just toxic. And I think you just need to figure out your life for yourself and figure out what's best for yourself. When I was 
ju- I had just turned one years old when my mom was divorced the first time. And I either 23 or 24 when you got divorced the second time and now you're remarried. Yes. Obviously, I don't remember your first divorce, but let's chat about these should I cut bangs life moments that are all kind of wrapped into one little category, but all very different moments. To me, the should I cut bangs moment is I don't want to say everyone is at a crisis but it's semi sort of at a crisis you know you're you're at a point where you're just obviously contemplating this should I cut bangs so I actually equate mine to should I shave my head that resonates with me more than the cutting of the bangs I feel like that I was always at a place of okay I'm am I going to shave my head like because that's where yes yeah at the very very end of of my rope so to speak it was more like some of these were very panic I have to maneuver and I have to decide what I'm doing in order to move forward yeah exactly I mean as as we talk and discuss these then there's multiple factors that come into play a, a lot of different things that led me to make the decisions that I did yeah so to start it all off, let's just talk about your first marriage. You can start at the top. The tippy top. That That's at the top. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. How I, old were you? I was 18. Like all of your kids are well above that age. And I feel like some of us are still so young. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, of course, when you're 18, you don't think you're 18. You think you're mature and ready to take on the world and do these things that you're actually not mature yeah. emotionally and mentally. So you were 18. What year did you graduate high school? I graduated high school in 1986. So in like May or June of 1986. Yes. And then you turned 18 in July yes, of 86. After, yes. After school got out. And then when, what month did you get married? Gosh, April. <laughs> I had think. <laughs> So not even a year after you graduated high school, you were married. Yes. And how did you meet your first husband? There was a social activity. So we met at a church social function. And do you remember how long you dated for, how long you were engaged for? I don't. I Mm -hmm. really don't remember that. It's so far in my past that it's almost. It's been a really long time. Yeah. So it's been over 35 years ago. That's a long time. Yeah, that is. That's more than half your life. Yeah, so the details of certain things, and I don't remember. So, um, but no, it was, yeah, shortly after high school. And that might have been the first, I guess you could say, the first moment that I felt like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I watched my friends do things like some of them went off to college and some of them worked in the town that we that we grew up in and worked there. And others went to maybe like a vocational school. I And I worked, but it was kind of like, well... I don't know. Everyone else was kind of doing this, you know, that was in my age group. Everybody was either like going to college or going to a school of some sorts or getting married. Even. Getting married even. That's, uh-huh. Yeah, referring to getting married. I mean, yes, they were doing those things as well. The group of friends that I had, the close group of friends, there was quite a few of us, but we all were married. Yeah. And what were you doing for work at that time? I was working at a dental lab mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. Yeah. You grew up in Las Vegas. I did. You're from Las Vegas. You met him in Las Vegas. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you talk about that job like you enjoyed it. You liked working. I did. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. But yeah, that's what I was doing for work. 
And what was your husband at the time like doing for work? And he was working at a car rental agency. And then he wasn't doing that like throughout your whole marriage. No, no. he was kind of getting married. Both of us still fairly, me extremely young, and him fairly young. So yeah, these were just jobs. These weren't anything that either of us were wanting to turn into a career. Yeah. Was your family like supportive of you getting married young? I feel like your parents are very supportive of whatever we ever did with our lives. I don't know. Of course, they're not my parents. They're my grandparents. But I feel like especially grandma is very supportive and like I'm there for you no matter what happens and like these are your choices yeah type of person do you feel like she was like that with your first marriage I do I feel you know later she had said to me I asked her you know hey could you see this coming and she said yes yeah and then I turned around and said well then why didn't you you know why didn't you say something yeah and she said you wouldn't have listened to me anyway yeah and and that's you know and she's right it's not uncommon you have to think of at that time I was a teenager yeah so getting married at 18 you know is at a time where you know you have these teenagers and they're trying to develop their own independence away from the family that's when they start to venture out and do these things looking back now I think good gracious that was extremely young and you're in that kind of teenage rebellious stage of your life not all teenagers are like that but it is a common thread and so why would you make one of the most important decisions of your life as an adolescent that's supposed to carry that with you brains aren't fully developed until we're 25 Right. And I didn't know that until I was like 45. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Literally until, you know, one of you guys told me that. I got married when I was 25. I got married at the age that my brain was fully developed. And I'm still like, whoa, I was young. Like 25 is still a really young age. Okay. So you were 18 when you got married. Your first husband was a few years older than you, three, four years. Yeah, I believe three. And then you, did you guys plan to have a child? Yes. Okay. So you planned to have your first child. Yeah. Because she wasn't like right after you got married. No, it was um, the summer of 1988. Yeah. So it was, it had been a year. Yeah. That was something that we had planned on. And that was just part of going through the motions and that checklist. Yeah. Not, I don't regret having my children. I don't regret having my children at all. Yeah. There's no regrets to that. But looking back thinking about how young I mean you had your first daughter the day before you turned 20 yes yeah that's very young to have a child yes it is just kind of fell in line with okay well you know we're married and now it's time to start a family and that kind of progression of things my peer group that's what everyone was doing and I hate to keep saying that so I probably won't say it again because it makes it sound like oh you know that's what everybody else was doing well it's like that's what was happening at the time for you there's nothing wrong with that because you were young you've grown since then but you were falling into societal pressures and that's fine like that's just what was going on at the time that's what was influencing your life choices. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with admitting it. And it doesn't mean that you have regrets of having your children. It's just what was the timeline of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. Well said. So, 
But yeah, and then it was almost like a every two years to add another baby. Yeah. So you had your first child in 88, the day before you turned 20. And then four years later is when you had your second. Did you guys wait four years on purpose? Do you think? That was a decision that was made. So you waited four years to have your second child. Correct. Was that like work related, family related, just your own decision? I think basically it was just an own decision. Yeah. Kind of a lifestyle I, w- I wanted these kids to, you know, be friends. However many I was going to have, I wanted them to grow up close together. I didn't have that, you know, growing up. I, I do now have that with my sister, but yeah, it was definitely different. Yeah. So next came Kaylee. So next came Kaylee. Two years later. Two years later. If you had your first when you were 20, four years later, 24, two years later, 26. That feels like it doesn't add up though. No, because you were born in May and so my birthday's in July. So whatever year... That was for me in my year. So you were about to turn 26. So you were 25 when I was born, about to turn 26. So after you were born, then I did have a baby that was born in 1995. Yes. So I was born in May of 94, had just turned one years old at the beginning of May. Right. And then June 21st, was she premature as well? Well, they're saying anything within two weeks, what they tell you, you're projected due date is that at that time I don't know what they're telling people now because that's been a while but if it was two weeks before they gave you that due date or two weeks after then they just considered that to be like was her due date June 21st no I think I actually think it was maybe a July but I can't remember that was a long time ago so one year after I was born June 21st you had a daughter so then we have Abby my sister, who would be 27 right now, born June 21st. She was slightly premature and had a brain disorder, disability. Yes. It's of the brain, correct? Yes, yes. What is it called? The diagnosis, I guess, what it's called holoprosencephaly. Yes. So the whatever layman's terms of that is that you have your right brain and your left brain Mm -hmm. you have these two hemispheres of your brain they call it so in the middle you have these I don't know how to pronounce this correctly I think they call it a corpus callosum but you have these connectors that connect the right brain to the left brain because you have to have both sides to be able to and you have do what to you need have to do. the connectors as well. Yeah, you have yeah. to have these connectors because your brain, the right side, has to communicate with the left side. Yeah, so those connectors are either missing or damaged to the degree that um, you aren't able to sustain life. There's also people that sometimes they are just slightly damaged. Yes. Um, and they are able to live. Yes. But they just live with disabilities, some mild, some severe. Yes. And they are functioning and it's perfectly fine. With Abby, it was extremely severe that she lived for one day. Yeah, a little, yeah. Less roughly, than. Yeah. So birth certificate, death certificates are born on the 21st, death on the 22nd. 22nd. There is a, what they, what they classify as a mild and a moderate and a severe. So that's what it is. When you're in the mild category, then there's varying degrees of that. When you're in the moderate category, there's varying degrees of that as far as the way it presents itself in each person. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a spectrum. 
Yes, very much so. But in the severe category, as far as medically speaking, as far as what they told me is that the severe don't sustain life. They're not able to sustain life. Not at all or not for periods of time? Not at all. Okay. That would be, yeah. So that, so she's severe? Yes. Okay. You had a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a seven-year-old. Correct. About to be seven-year-old. Yeah. At home. And then you had been pregnant for nine months. Yes. And then your child died. Yes. So you went through all of this. Did you do anatomy scans? Was that a thing? There wasn't an anatomy scan done. Uh, There was an ultrasound done. And it was an ultrasound that was not a medical ultrasound, meaning that they had these facilities that you could go and pay a small fee to find out the sex of the baby that you were having. And, and they would give you like a videotape, yeah. you know, and you would yeah. pay for those. Because I had that done with you also. Yeah, because I have that. Th- yeah, that was, uh, you know, just a side note. I had my first two children were born in the hospital. And then Kaylee and my daughter, Abby, that passed away, they were both born at home with midwife. Yeah. So that lended itself to go and have an ultrasound just because I wanted to see yeah. the sex of so, the child. So on top of that is I don't know if – now HPE would show up on an anatomy scan or would show up in an ultrasound and things like that. So that's not something at all that you were aware of. No. Going into birth. No, No, not at all. On top of that, I do want to disclose that Abby being born at home had absolutely nothing to do with any of Oh, with her with her condition and yeah, yeah. no, not at all. No, like had, she if she was born in a hospital, nothing would have been different. No, nothing would have been different at all. You know, I don't know if you want me to go into any kind of details or share just maybe emotionally what I was going through at that time. That was a, that was really difficult. I know that you've talked about how like especially after Grandma died, like how you feel. Not a lot of people out there have like actually lost a child. I'm not trying to dismiss anyone that's gone through a miscarriage or anything like that but there I feel like there's a huge difference between like losing a child and losing a parent you've talked about that I feel like there's a difference I've never experienced any of those things you have yeah there well there's definitely a difference I'm not sure who said this but somewhere when you lose a child is losing part of your future and then a parent death is losing your past I can see where somebody might feel that way against the natural order we think things are supposed to happen in life you know you have a child you raise them they grow up get married they go on and have their own lives and progression of the parent meaning me then I get to grow old and do all these things and then have grandchildren and things like that so when you have someone that dies before an old age and has lived a long life then it it just it doesn't fit to have a child with the anticipation you have this joyous occasion in this moment where you're actually giving birth and then upon that to have that change in a literal instant to a grieving situation is extremely I don't know what to say other than having your world turned upside down on top of the fact that you have just had a child so you actually have physical hormones that are going through you at that time I didn't know that a woman that has a child that dies, you actually have physical pain in your arms because your body just went through something that naturally you're going to be holding a baby. 
the day after you've had a baby. To actually have a physical pain in your arms is actually a, a normal and a real thing. And I, I wasn't told any of that. I was very much alone. I, I mean, I had support from my parents. I remember at the cemetery, my dad had said to me that he wished it was him. And that's something that obviously he meant that. And I took that the way he meant it is very sincere and genuine if he could have traded places. That was definitely a time that I was barely functioning, I would say, as far as, I mean, meeting the needs of of the kids. Like three other kids, yourself, you're married. Yeah, I would, yeah. I mean, kids were fed. Yeah. I know that. And, and I had help from people in my community. I lived in a small community at the time. And so those people, even strangers, were helpful. And I had, you know, I had extended family members yeah um, your that, that first husband comes from a very large family yes you have one sibling you have your parents right it was a extremely difficult time which I think that kind of resonates with everyone who's been through that experience and I also learned a little bit later that men and women grieve differently after learning about your first divorce after watching when grandma died and things like that, I think I've learned like the type of person that you are when you grieve. And it's so interesting to see how humans all grieve differently. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, differently, even even women and women and, and men and men and, and depending on the situation. And, uh, yeah, like women and men all grieve differently, but not even just like gender specific, but like humans in general yes. yeah, all grieve differently mm-hmm. because I think that you and I grieve differently. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, like even just within our household, mm-hmm. our household growing up. Yes. Like we all grieve differently and we're all women. Right. You know? Yeah. I know. I agree with that. Abby died on June 22nd. You were going through these grieving processes while going through postpartum while trying to keep your household afloat, you have three children. You live in this small town. Your parents live an hour away? A little more than an hour at that time. We yeah. had both moved a little bit further away from each other. but They had moved to Logandale at that yes. point. Just a side note, I did seek therapy. Oh, yeah, you were Yeah, I, w- I was actively in therapy yes. at this time. <laughs> Fair, quickly, fairly quickly after. You know, I had a, a professional that had resources to help me. How long after, I mean, I guess, like, what was the series of events? You it had was a, the whole month of July. Well, you know, first <laughs> of all, I'm going to I'm gonna preface this by saying, you know. Um, we're. I think we need to preface this by saying this was a very long time ago, and there are no hard feelings towards people. Oh, absolutely not. Well, we, aren't, we aren't recording this and talking about these things to talk poorly about the people in these real life situations. Agreed. Share speak my about story. Danielle's point of view and Danielle's experiences. And we are not here to speak poorly of my biological father. Right. Correct. We are not here to speak ill of his actions. We are not. No, here. not at all. We it, don't have any hard feelings. No, these are just my personal experiences from my perspective. And I would never speak for anyone else. We're not here to talk trash about anyone because that's we don't even do that without mics in front of our face. Right. That's not. We don't no. we don't do that anyway. We don't have bad feelings toward anyone. Anyone. This, right. Correct. <laughs> no. But the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, there, there's been a lot of time that's passed. So for me to 
expound and share my thoughts and feelings about what I experienced in the realm of infant death. I don't want to sound like insensitive to anyone who has gone through this or is currently experiencing this. Probably one of the most, if not the most devastating thing that can happen is having to go from joyous occasion to a, a grieving process. We've kind of, for ourselves, just like turned the tables. Like we go to the cemetery every year on her birthday. We put the windsock in the tree because she has her own tree that we right. dedicated to her. Right. And like put the little pinwheel, like we all go there. Now we take my niece there and like that's what we do for her birthday every year. Like we don't make it a sad thing right? for my sisters and I every year on her birthday like right. we try to make it a happy thing More and a- like we try to celebrate her birthday I do think it's part of your first divorce story I think it has a lot to do with it I agree again I don't want to make light of it but it has been 27 years and it doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything to us and it doesn't mean that she doesn't mean anything to us it just means that we've shifted the narrative for us I've obviously been able to go through that grieving process and go through those motions. And so my own personal emotions regarding her birth and her death are not as raw and on the surface as they were. So that's why when I was just kind of giggling a minute ago, because at that point, then you're going to ask me the next question. You know, I'll let you do that. We speak very lightly of our life tragedies, sadly. That's what you have to do when you're one of us. Oh, that's a little bit of a coping mechanism for me anyway. It's a coping mechanism. It's fine. And years have passed, so I'm good with Mm -hmm. a lot of the way. But it it depends. Like I said, I'm definitely sensitive to those who have gone through this. That's just the kind of people that we are. It's our own trauma. We're allowed to do what we want with it. Sure. We would never laugh at someone else's trauma. Right. That's not what we're doing. Anyway, enough of that. Okay. (laughs) Next question. So Abby passed away on the 22nd of June, 1995. When did you find out your next tragic event? Well, I I was currently in therapy. And um, so I I remember saying to my therapist, okay, now we're going to deal with this, that now I'm going to be starting divorce proceedings. So it was July 1st that 10 days later, not even. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't even tell you that now. It just felt like, you know, in some aspects when you're in that grieving and in that deep of a grieving, time moves fast and time moves slow at that time. You know what I mean? In that moment, you're just trying to get through the minutes and the hours and the all those things. And it's just awful. But yes. And so when I, I said that to my therapist, she was a little bit surprised because prior to that, she had made the suggestion to me saying that going through this uh, infant death, that you need to not make any major decisions in your life for at least one year. Within the 10 days that I was saying to her, you know, okay, I can do this and I can get through this next year. And then it was like, wait a minute, now we're dealing with this. So then I continued in my therapy, obviously, and talked about grieving and, and grieving a marriage. Divorce is a grieving process, which I think people just, for the most part, relate that to to death. And even unhealthy relationships are still grieved. Obviously, there's going to be a million different variables because we're all different individuals, one from the other. But definitely a lot of those things that you go through in divorce are going to fall in line with that grieving that fits the mold for death as well. 
So it just kind of was like a, I don't know, a snowball effect. It just was like, okay, now we're, now we're doing this. Now we're doing this. And whose decision was it? What was the ultimate decision behind your divorce? It was, it was my decision. There was infidelity on the part of my spouse Mm -hmm. at the time. So that wasn't something that I was interested in working out. And I'm not going to say that that was the entire reason for divorcing. Looking back, and even looking back when I was younger, after that divorce, that was not a marriage that should have happened. I don't think that it was a marriage that was really sustainable. Not at all. No, not at all. Not, not at all. Not at all. I don't, I don't want to keep repeating and saying, you know, no hard feelings and nothing ill against this, you know, this other person and, and no regrets on my children. But those are, that's a factual statement. That's how I feel. You know, a lot of that time and it was even a blur at the time because I was trying to cope and deal with so many different things. And then I had to cope and deal with going through a divorce and then relocating three children it was probably the first time that I realized now I'm going to have to be a financial contributor because I hadn't done that. Here I had gotten married and then, you know, upon having a child, then it was like, oh, I went into this stay-at-home mom mode and role, which I embraced and which is what I wanted. And I planned on that. But then all of a sudden here I had a high school diploma and now it was, you know, it didn't seem like that much time had lapsed because it really hadn't. And now here I was being faced with how am I going to financially provide some sort of income to help take care of these children. And there I was again, clippers in hand, ready to shave my head. Like, what am I doing? Like, here's, here I am at this, should I cut my bangs? I'm like, oh my gosh, here I'm at this point again of, I have to figure something out. I have to do this. I have, I, and I did not know what to do. Did you ever think that you shouldn't get divorced because it was too scary to get divorced? Not at that time. I mean, yes, the thought of being the financial contributor. Like being alone with your three kids not having that full income, moving out of the house, taking care of all of them, quote unquote, on your own. The income part was where I was concerned because exiting a relationship or a marriage that isn't working for either people, I think we both realized at that point that we shouldn't continue going forward, that this wasn't going to work, that just the infidelity was maybe the catalyst for that. During that time with me, that was definitely a huge thing that was looming over me. You got married the first time in Las Vegas, like Clark County. Yes. And how long did it take for your divorce to be finalized? I'm going to say, I'm going to guess, but I think it was 30 days. Okay. But that's, that's at the time of, you know, you file. So once it gets filed, then, yeah. you know, it has to, you know, the judge has to sign it. And so, and this, this had, um, child custody yeah. involved and it wasn't anything. It wasn't anything crazy. Like, no, it wasn't anything crazy. There was child custody and child support issues yeah. that, you know, were, were just par for the course. It was pretty basic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was nothing. There you wasn't had even a property settlement. Like full custody. We had him every other weekend. Was that yeah. always how it was? That's what's been the... I'm asking if that's how it was from the beginning. That's, how, that's it, how it was to from at the end, what I remember. 
That's how it was. Yes, that's how it was. It never changed. Okay. That's what you're asking. Yeah. So, no. And it only, t- it from from date of filing, so you go in and sign your paper and he yeah. signs his paper and, you know, roughly 30 days, which is yeah. a short amount of time, basically. Yeah. If One it's, month. Yeah. If it's uncontested, you know, yeah. if either party doesn't have if an issue with anything. we all agree on it. Yes. Yeah. Both parties are in cool. agreement, then it just goes forward and then. So when yeah. you got divorced, you moved in with grandma and grandpa for a minute. With all three of us. And I had no car. No car. No job. So like your only option basically at that time was moving in with your mom and dad. I, yes. And they had room for us. Absolutely. I mean, they, if anybody knows my grandma and grandpa's house, you know, they had room for all of us. And how long did you stay with them for? I wasn't there very long. I'm going to say I was there two months. And the reason it was only two months was because... At that point, I felt that the physical distance between you kids, mm-hmm. you three girls, and your biological dad, that that distance needed to be as small or short as possible. Yeah. So that there could be, you know, other than the other, every other weekend, there could be other times that he could be, you know, in your life. If it was after school, if it wanted to be a daily, a weekly, whatever it was. Because I was open to that. That was something that I thought was yeah. going to help in the healing of breaking up or dissolving of that family unit. Yeah. I thought that that was what was best. So I actually moved back to that town with no job and no car and a few blocks from where he was living with the person <laughs> that he was, you know, involved with now. The person that he... Was involved with when we were still married. Yeah. But I did that thinking that that was going to be the best thing. And it wasn't the worst thing. Yeah. It wasn't the worst thing for you guys. For the kids. Yeah. But it was the worst thing for me. Yeah. It it just was difficult and challenging. And I had to put a lot of things aside. I couldn't wear my emotions on my sleeve because, you know, you have one grocery store in that town. You're, you know, you're bound to run into people and so on and so forth. Being at a point of now, what am I doing? Meaning providing being a provider for these children what am I going to do and I scrambled and uh, and I can say this um, you know my ex-father-in-law went to the credit union with me and co-signed a loan so that I could get a car yeah and it was this really old car it was $50 a month it was a Dodge Aries K. I, I don't even wish. know. They they called it the K car like the uh, the Dodge Aries K was the FBI car. It was the K <laughs> car. That's what the FBI, you know, this is like 70s, 80s, you know, cuz it was older. And it it ran really well. It was but it was just but I was so extremely I grateful. Wish my car payment was $50 I, a month. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I don't unbelievable. think anything costs $50 a month. I don't think so either. That's that's kind of days gone by. Literally. But I, w- I was very grateful because that was pressure that was relieved yeah. off of me. And as was me living with my, my parents yeah. for a couple of months. I, and my parents, that was an open-ended thing. I could have lived there 10 years. I could yeah. have lived there 20 oh. years. I mean, you know, they, they never were going to say, okay, it's time for you to move on. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they never felt that way. There were some people that were obviously, you know, lightening my load. I had three jobs and they weren't even really jobs. People were paying me under the table. But I, I set it up to where I was doing office work and cleaning and then a babysitting job. And so all of these allowed me to have my kids with me all the time. Yeah, because yeah. I was with you all the time. Yes, and they also paid me cash. So no, truth be told, but that helped me tremendously yeah. as well. I, I don't know if I felt like, wow, I you know have 
I'm on top of things now because I don't really think that I felt that because I knew that at some point I was going to have to change. I was going to have to make a change. There's going to have to be a shift and a change somewhere that I was going to have to be a provider financially for my children. But there again, I was at that same spot that I was prior. Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. So you were divorced. If your divorce was final, let's say August, September ish, you got out and started socializing. I did. I did. That's, that sounds, yeah. Looking back, yeah, I, I did do that. I, I should have probably hit the pause. Knowing what I know now and looking back, you know, and I, I think we all do that. You know, the older you get, you go, yeah, you know, I maybe I wouldn't have rented that apartment or dated that guy or, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. And we all have a little bit of that. I don't think anybody gets to be at the end of the at the end of the line, you know, and say I have absolutely positively no regrets. I think that's a little bit arrogant to think that you don't have any regrets. Yeah. I know my first go to regret and it's that I did not continue an education after graduating high school. Yeah. Anyway. So you started socializing again and she's rolling her eyes, guys. <laughs> yeah. She started socializing and you were like around people a lot. You were like really in your friend groups. You were like really hanging out with people like as much as you could, I felt like. I was. And I also had to kind of, I had my friends, you know, growing up in the same town. Grandma grew up in Las Vegas. Grandpa moved there when he was young. Yes. And you grew up in Las Vegas. I grew up in Las Vegas. We've all grown up in Las Vegas. Yeah. Those of us who have been there for that long, we know that it's actually a very small town. Yeah, the connections. of Las Vegas is very small, very close knit. So... You staying there and a lot of your friends are still there from when you were a kid. It's a small town. Right. Well, and I, like I said, so here I was, you know, in the single category again, having three children where most of my friends had gotten married between, I think I said 18 to 23 range. They were still married and they were also had kids and most of their kids were my kids' age, but they were married. So then I, I had to go out and be social again to make friends. And so that was really the first step. It was like, well, you know, here I don't have my kids on the weekend and Friday night or Saturday all day. What am I doing with myself? And I I didn't have any friends and didn't know what to do because my married friends were doing things with their families that didn't always fit. I didn't, wasn't always, I don't want to say I wasn't always welcome, but that just didn't always fit. I was invited and I did go and I did still see them. Yeah. Um, Especially like when we weren't there with you, like if we were with our dad, then it's like, you're just you. Yeah, yeah, right. So I had to kind of, I had to be this dual person here. I was single and I had to kind of go out and socialize and make friends that way. And I, and I'm a social person and I make friends easy. And yeah. whether those friends are lifetime friends or that I made, you know, just for a few months or wh- whatever it is that I'm living in a certain area, then, then I'm fine with that as well. But that also leads to being back in the dating world. And that's where I should have specifically that I definitely needed to, looking back, put the pause. You should have slammed on those brakes. I should have not even <laughs> pumped those brakes. I should have just full force, full feet. Slammed. Slammed. So you were, did you like date around a lot during that time? When I say date around a lot, did you like go on a lot of dates? I went, you know, it's funny that you asked me because that was really my interest 
this time I'm 27. Yeah, I'm 27. Yeah, I'm so grown, you know, by this age. And it's like, good gracious, you still are really not. So So those of you don't, those of you out there listening that are in that age group, please don't be offended that I think you're all still small children. No, I dating around. I what I did have was um, I had met someone and he was fresh off of a divorce. And then there I was, too. And we started out as friends. Then it became we had a standing date night. So our standing date night was Saturday. Whether he, you had the kids or not? Um, yeah, sometimes. Okay, just sometimes. curious. Yeah, sometimes. I would say yes. Yeah, I'm sometimes. like, I don't know. I was a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But it, what was funny was that we ran in the same social circles. Mm-hmm. I would have a date with someone else. On Friday, yes. And so he would have a date with someone else on Friday as well. So when we had our Saturday night date, we said to, we literally said to each other, I would say, oh, hey, who did you go out with? And he (laughs) would say, oh, I went out with this person. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. She seems like she's really nice and she's cute. And yeah, like, yeah, like I don't, yeah, and I don't know her. But just casually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he would say that to me. He'd say, because that basis was more of a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was something that we did for a few months. Mm-hmm. And then it was, it that just was kind it. of, yeah, it just kind of fizzled out. And it was fine. It was just yeah. kind of fizzled out. We stopped and it was okay. It was good. And it was still like, oh yeah, we still, we still ran in the same circles and saw each other socially and even with other people. Yeah. Side note, he actually attended my. Your wedding? Second one. Yes. With the girl he was dating, the one, so that. Anyway, he kept dating this one girl, and then he ended up marrying her. And so they both came to my wedding. That's funny. Yeah, because him and I had that. You guys are friends. Yeah, Yeah, we had that, and I had nothing, you know, against anybody that he was going out with. Because I felt like at that time, going back to... That's more what you needed. Well, that... like friendships. Yes. So I felt, you know, even more grown than I was at 18. And lo and behold, yes, we're all... We're all deceived because we're not. (laughs) We're all deceived because of what happens next. Yes, because of what happens next. So we are in the same year. Yes. We're in in 1995. We're in the winter of 19. The winter of my discontent. I think that's a line from a book. I don't know. That's funny. Kaylee is one years old. Kaylee is one more more than one. Kaylee is a little more than one years old. So like a seven-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and a one-and-a-half-year-old. One Abby has passed away this same year. Yes. Danielle has divorced this same year. Yes. And moved. Moved multiple times, trying to financially support herself. What a mess. Hearing you say that, what I know. a mess. All what within the mess. same year. Less than six months, Yeah. by the way. Well, yeah. Abby passing away is in June, and then six months would be yeah. Christmas. Then what happens in, like, November? December. Well, when did you meet your second husband? December. You met him in December? Is this a judgment-free zone? I'm sorry. <laughs> thinking it Wait, was. was. Now I'm trapped. It was news. <laughs> Somebody help me a minute. Judgmental zone. Well, what is the difference? You just said November. So from November to December is really I mean, a mere that gets 30 days. Another 30 weeks? days? Four weeks? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be judgmental. You can be shocked. And it's more sh- It's it more is. of a shock it was. because it was. I didn't know that. And I thought I knew everything. <laughs> I thought we shared <laughs> secrets here. <laughs> well, you're about to find out, I guess. No, I, okay. no it's December. So you met him in December. Yes. How long... 
did you know him before you got pregnant? Like, when did you meet him? So you either met him in November or December. Correct. And we just don't remember because it was 27 years ago. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And and we're not saying my age. And if you guys want to rewind it, remember that. I'm not saying it again. (laughs) I won't say it ever again. And so you got pregnant very shortly after. Yes. After you dated for a month, a few weeks. Um, let's go with a month or two. Let's make it sound like a month or two. Well, it, yeah. So okay. roughly. Roughly six weeks. Yes. And I'm, got pregnant. Yes. Okay. And then at where I was in my life at that time, that was... You know, you have to think of a generational thing as well. So that was, yet again, the catalyst to get married. Yeah, you were, like we previously talked about, societally influenced heavily. Yeah. And you are alone providing for your three children. You're just now barely pregnant. Do you think that it was an easy, yeah, we just have to get married? Well, I I think that. But I also think I'm I'm going to say it. If I say it once, I'm saying it a million times. I, I'm 25 or 26 and I think I'm growing and I think I'm going into this with eyes wide open. I think that, wow, I have this experience that I, you know, went through this, I'm going to say failed marriage, failed relationship um, and that I learned and I grew and I had all these experiences that, you know, made me groan and, and, and some of those things obviously did, but grown to the point where you could be in a relationship with someone, find yourself pregnant. Like barely in a relationship with someone. Barely. But yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Oh, you know, now there's, you know, we're adding this other element here. We're dating, we're having fun and all this kind of thing. And then we're adding this other element. Well, I already have kids. So for me, that's not anything that's this big shock yeah, like factor. Having a baby like, is wow. literally nothing new to you. Yeah. That wasn't anything that I hadn't just done, Multiple you know, times. six months prior to being in this relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this person you know, had said, okay, well, I'm ready to be at this point in my life. Yeah. Because there was a discussion of, okay, well, I don't want to because do this. Because you guys are the same age. So yes. He's like 26. I think we're 27 at this point, actually. We're yeah. in an odd year. So you guys are 27 years old. Right. And so he's working for a pretty lucrative family business at this point. Yeah. Um, and so there's no reason to question anything. No. But- um. But still, my mindset and my, I'm going to say, attitude was my eyes are wide open. I, I'm taking this person at face value and things like that. And not only just that, thinking that I myself was ready. But, you know, looking back, I think that was made because it was something that I, it was a continuum. I was already doing this. I was just going to have another baby and still, and go back to that stay-at-home mom life that I wanted, um, that I enjoyed. I was going to get that back. And so it was just this continuum. It was just a different spouse. And that, that sounds kind of cheesy, but I think yeah. at the time I just, well, I, I mean, I didn't... that's usually what happens when you're 26, 27 years old and get divorced and exactly. you have three kids, you are planning on one day to get married to someone else and either have more kids or not have more kids. I mean, three kids is a lot and continue that family with or without more kids as I just said and that's what your mindset was now like you and this second husband have been dating for five minutes and you without planning I should say get pregnant 
And so you guys didn't have these conversations prior. It was an afterthought. I think that plays a huge role in a lot of things. Having an unplanned pregnancy doesn't mean that you regret any of it. No. You no. don't regret that child. No. By no, any not means. At all. You don't no. regret any more children after that. No. It's just a part of the story and yeah, it is. It's de- I mean definitely a part of my story and and uh, as I mentioned before, my children are not anywhere on my regret list at all. All six of the children that you've had mm-hmm. are all children of divorce. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that children of divorce are children of regret. Right. No, not at all. It's yeah. just the way that it works. And yeah. I look back and it's the same to the same conclusion that those are two people that given if there would have been a little bit longer dating in those two, then maybe the outcome would have been different. I don't know. You know, you can't really say. I agree. But I'd like to say that it probably would have been avoided. But, you know, like, again, I can't wholeheartedly say that I wanted that to be the outcome because I have children as a result of two marriages. Yeah, you can't regret you can't throw the whole thing away no no it doesn't no that's not how it works no and so you get pregnant you guys talk it out and come to the conclusion so he says that he also wants to get married and have children correct you already have three children at that time did you feel like he enjoyed being around your children at that time yes Okay. Looking back now, I think that there needed to be more time because that falls into the category of just getting to know someone. There need yeah. there needs to be more time. They're needed yeah. for me. I'm not speaking for the world. I do have my own opinions, but yeah, for my own self. I think, I mean, Josh and I dated for over almost two years. Obviously, we were long distance. We dated for almost two years before we got married. You and your husband now dated for a year before you got married some of that was long distance yes I have come to understand and believe the like you have to date someone for all seasons of life it makes sense and you dated your second husband for a blip yes on the yeah when you look at time yeah you know and you were still coming down from postpartum grief in two different senses and then you got pregnant again very quickly right Mm -hmm. You were going through all of that, got pregnant again right away, and decided to get married to someone that we all barely knew. Correct. How did your ex-husband feel about your kids going into, like his children going into this? Did he have an opinion? Did he care? There wasn't anything that he said that was anything negative and or concerning. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't concerned. There was no concerns. Yeah. Because he had met him. I'm assuming yeah. his mm-hmm. children were going to be around him. Yeah. What about your parents with this marriage? Did- you know, my parents, even though they were extremely supportive, I didn't have a dialogue with my mom. It's not that my mom wasn't there for me. It was that I still was still so unbelievably young and making adult decisions when I when my brain wasn't developed, when I wasn't emotionally ready, when I wasn't yeah. m- and mature. And you're very stubborn. Yes. And at that time, more so. Yeah. So that was still running its course when I was 25 or 26. So I was grown. I went into this eyes wide open. So and and my parents were not going to say anything prior to me doing this again. Yeah. Because I kept saying this time's different. 
this person's different. Yeah. I'm different. And that was the thing. Going in to these relationships, to these marriages, I never stopped to consider if I was really ready. Was this something I, re- was it something I wanted? Did it look good? Was everybody else doing it? Yes. But did I pause and really take some time to contemplate, am I ready to do this? Is this what I should be doing? Or should I be pursuing, you know, an education and, and or, or just working and seeing what's out there and maybe that idea of what I want to do education-wise or whatever? I, I didn't do that. I just... Yeah. You weren't thinking for yourself. No. You were just doing what looked good, even if it wasn't good at the time, because, yeah, you did want to get married one day and all of these things, but it was just like... The opportunity arose. Well, and I had kids, and so I felt like, well, I'm just kind of like this continuum of the snowball. Here we go. We're yeah. just picking up, you know, if that snowball thing. just grows, <laughs> you know, as it's rolling down yeah. and accumulating. And so now it's just gathering more people. Yeah. And when there are people that you feel that you're having a positive interaction with, then it's like, well, why not do this? So you married your second husband. You got pregnant December of 95. You guys got married in February of 96, had your child the following fall. In between that time of marriage, I feel like it was when you were pregnant. I feel like it was in that time that shit kind of started hitting the fan. There were things that I saw and noticed that were red flags. And I don't mean that just like, oh, on his part, meaning red flags, the working or the non-working parts of a marriage. Yeah. I could see those, but then I thought, no, this, this isn't the way it is. This will work itself out. This will be fine. But on both parts, I'm yeah. not, I'm not laying everything yeah, on, no one's on that person at all one, because I, yeah, no one's a hundred percent like, oh, here I'm this perfect model spouse. Yeah. And then this spouse isn't, that's usually not how it is. We're all, we all contribute the positive and the negative to our relationships. And I, I fully know what I did contribute positive and negative to both those, but Early on, yes, I could see, but I thought those were things that were par for the course, meaning like, oh, we're still, this is still new, which we're yeah. in the newlywed, we're still getting to know each other, wonderful rose-colored glasses things. The day after, the day before your guys' first daughter was born, we moved, we bought a house. Moved, yes. Yeah. And that's the house we lived in forever. For, <laughs> yeah. Well, forever for you. Yeah. Yeah. Forever until well, was little, you got divorced. Correct. It was a little over 20 years. Two years after she was born, we had the baby. Another girl. Another girl. Six. Six girls. Yes. No more girls. No more kids. No more children. Just, <laughs> yeah, a, no. just a little. Just, the, just, just those six. Yeah. The, not that that's not <laughs> enough because it, it's definitely plenty. But yeah. no. So, so in that time you guys were married for 22 years you struggled with depression yes you were a stay-at-home mom I would say 95 percent of that time for the majority of that I was the soccer mom the PTA president several times the whatever the carpool mom Oh, the we carpool, never, the I have everything. never ridden a school bus in my life except no. for a field trip or to an away game for volleyball right. because we either one lived too close to the school, but you would still pick us up. I've never walked home from school. Yeah. Or you would pick us up and drop us off. That was my job. Overall in the in the 20 plus years, you know, things just started to, you know, reveal themselves that there was two people that should not have tried to, you know, make a go of a marriage and adding in children, whether they were previous children or children together. This was something that 
it wasn't going to work. After you guys got married, you and your second husband, you and your first husband still had, you know, joint custody yes. of your three first kids, myself included. And you were doing back and forth every other weekend. You had them full time and your first husband was taking them every other weekend. It got to a point where it was difficult for the first ex-husband to meet his financial obligations and also his, I'm saying physical obligation Taking of us. having, yes, mm-hmm. it was sparse here and there and it would, you know, hit or miss or whatever, you know, it started yeah. out regular and then it, it all just kind of fell apart. Yeah. The bottom fell out of that. And, and it had been going on for a while. I was like five or six. Yeah, it'd been going on for some time. And so it was a conversation that I remember having with my ex, like, okay, you know, it, it's time for you to, I felt at that time that it was time for him to either be in or out. Let's do this because to watch what you guys had to go through, all of a sudden, you know, you're packed, you're ready to go. And then, you know, and you're not, not going. being picked up or we're not, like, he's not meeting us or he's right. called and said he's not meeting yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it and was. And I, I mean, from my knowledge and speaking with my two older sisters, we didn't have negative experiences right going with our dad yeah our biological dad I should say is not a bad person he no. he's like the fun parent oh absolutely yeah 100 percent. so it's like we wanted to go with him we yeah, wanted to go wasn't. hang out with him every other weekend was fun we I I don't remember a lot because I was so young. I have a lot of trauma block around these times for myself. What I do remember is a lot of what um, some of my sisters have told me and just a little sparse memories from myself. And I don't have like negative emotions attached to it. And like being with him, I don't have any negative emotions attached to it. And so, like, I can't imagine for my older sisters or even myself having to be told that we're not going after being told that we're going. Yeah, it was a it was a constant roller coaster, the up and the down, and the up and the down, and the uncertainty and the un. It was really hard. It was hard as a parent to watch that and not know how to navigate through that. Meaning, like helping you guys. And I wasn't, I was not any way equipped, which I don't think most people are equipped to have kids. You think it's going to be something, and then it turns out that you have all these other, other factors that come into play, like, you know, that, for example. How do you handle your child's emotions dealing with? Because I could say, well, he's not coming because he can't, because he's not, you know, and try to be the adult and give the adult answers and not paint someone in a bad light. Yeah. Like and you not, don't want to ever do that. Well, right. To and children. And also you do. Right. And you want to be honest, but only to a certain degree because mm-hmm. you don't want to tell them, well, they're not coming because they can't get their lives together or they have something that's whatever it is. They you know, I just use that for an example. Right. They right. They would rather hang out with their friends. Right. Or exactly. How do you explain that? MIA. Yeah. You can't, you can't reason that to a and it's just you know, inappropriate to say that too well it is because you don't want to paint that well and you don't want to paint that spouse in a in a light that's not that's their that's parent. not right that's not fair you know you guys should have been able to have your opinions and thoughts mm-hmm. and all those kind of things in relationship without me saying oh you know this guy this guy is yeah you know, this, like that, you have other. your own opinions yeah. because you have a different relationship with him exactly yeah. exactly but it was it was torturous 
Yeah. It was torturous to watch that. Because you're um, watching your children go through it. Yeah. And like I said, and also not, I don't know how to fix this. Yeah. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to fix the kids that are going through this. And I don't, I didn't, and, and I, I didn't know how to do that. So that was really, really difficult. So that decision is very emotional. So the decision, I don't think we've even said. So the decision that was made, I was five or six years old. So then my older sister, two years older than me. And then the next one is four years older than her. So we were all in elementary school. Everybody was in school. Yeah, elementary school. I remember I was in first grade. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming I was six. And my teacher, so we were adopted by my, I refer to him as my stepdad still. Yeah. Um, I don't refer to him as my dad in any capacity. I also refer to my mom having raised me as a single parent. Um, I don't identify as having a dad. I don't believe I was raised by two parents in my own experience. This doesn't, I'm not expressing this on behalf of any of my siblings. That we all have different experiences, even being raised in the same household. That was a decision that I, that I had said to him. It, it has to be, you have to be in or out. And, and you can have some time to take, to think about this and, and what you want going forward. Because you can't do this in and out, in and out, in and out. Because what I'm experiencing is just awful. And watching these kids go through this, knowing that it was going to cause some harm, whether that was in the moment or even long term, what that harm would be harm in you know aka trauma mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time I just knew that I had kids that were just unconsolable I couldn't answer the questions I couldn't give them a, a reason of why this made any sense because it didn't make any sense to me so of course I couldn't explain that to them therapy us kids were we in therapy at this time or were we in therapy when Abby died you guys were in therapy when Abby died and it was just for a very short time and you know looking back I should have had you guys in therapy. You know, the, th- the thing this, about... This, like, whole time. Yeah, and the thing about divorce and parenting, at least back then, and, and my own personal experience was our story of this part of uh, you guys being adopted by a step-parent. That's not a unique thing. That happens yeah. a lot. And kids not seeing their biological parent because that parent is struggling in their own life with whatever it is. Yeah. To be in or out, that's not unique either. Yeah. So, you know, offering kids counseling and therapy would have been beneficial. And yeah. it wasn't anything like beyond happening. I just didn't think of it. It's I didn't like, think of it on my own. And it wasn't like presented. Us three children, mm-hmm. me and my two older sisters, going through the adoption needed therapy. And I think it would have also been beneficial for you to have therapy at that time to learn how to navigate it yourself oh, as a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 100%. But... I mean, yeah, because basically I put someone in a position where, you know, you need to do this or this. So giving someone an ultimatum, an ultimatum. there I can admit some guilt or admit some fault that I probably shouldn't have done that. But, you yeah. know, you, you don't know. And I thought at the time that you cannot torture these children. You have to either step up and do this. Yeah. If you could go back, not giving him the ultimatum and just put us in therapy to work through it instead. I think I, I think looking back now that therapy would be the number one and then making a decision after that. I mean, you can't force someone mm-hmm. to because be present. ultimately he made the decision. Well, yeah. And that, that was, it was ultimately his decision and it was a difficult decision for him to make. Uh, yeah. I mean, I a can't very emotional. Imagine. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, there, yeah. there was a last visit yeah. that happened and, and that was hard because it was like, if you can be at this last visit, why can't you be at the next visit? Yeah. 
you know, but it, it had been so much time. But no, looking back, I think I definitely would have gone the therapy route and let that get handled that way so that I could learn as well. Yeah. So me being in therapy, my children being in therapy, however they wanted to break that up or, yeah. or collectively, however separately or all of it. So me learning how to help you guys go yeah. through that because, you know, you, you don't get your therapist on speed dial all the time. The therapist is obviously supposed to be helping you to help your children in this case. Yeah. So yeah, I would definitely lean towards doing that. Not even lean towards. I, I think that's even putting it lightly. Knowing what I know now, yeah. I would definitely say that's something I, I would have done. And then maybe even taken a suggestion from a therapist who I felt was knowledgeable Equipped, and yeah, yeah and, and somebody that I felt that I trusted mm-hmm. um, in taking their advice on what do we do with this going forward? Mm-hmm. How do we manage this? Do we just let this kind of play out and maybe someday they will be a part or do we push this envelope? I just thought, well, you know, we have this other person who's in this spot now. Your second husband. Yes, who was ready and said, you know, I'm ready to do this and I'd be willing to do this. So you're married, your kids have been adopted, your first ex-husband is you know, out of the picture. Right. And now you have five kids. And the snowball is just rolling. <laughs> and the Still, snowball it's just is getting turning bigger. into the world's biggest snowball. Yes. Your life is, I feel like it's just almost constant chaos. I feel like the house is on fire. This is my interpretation of I it. I agree. The house is on fire. I, 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 can, I can agree with a lot of that. Yeah. And we are just constantly running. There's always a fire to put out. And I think some of that's just the more children that you have in your home, your own children, then the more needs that you have to meet. And sometimes, you know, somebody cut their finger and somebody else, you know, uh, hit somebody with a spoon or something, you know. Yeah. So there's always these things that are on a daily. So it was a con- it was a constant because I, I think not just because it was all girls. But I think that was a contributing factor. I think the um, the tone yes. of the household wasn't good because it, you had these two people that were clearly not. There was, the two parents in the household were not compatible. Right. And not just that compatibility. I mean, as far as that went through everything, that bled through everything mm-hmm. in that house, meaning that there was no parenting that was on the same page. You know, we were at, we were at odds with parenting. You can't be that way. Yeah. You know, when you have kids, you have to have this united front and, and be able to come to things with some sort of reasonable resolution and, and help your children navigate through those things. Yeah. And then I think as time progressed where you say the single parent, a little bit of that, I feel I've... that that was going on. But I, w- but I will 100% admit that, you know, for me, that was part of my coping mechanism. It was mm-hmm. like, well, I had this parent that I was at you know, odds with and couldn't come to any sort of agreement on parenting. Yeah. So then it was just a uh, overruled. Yeah. You know, it was oh, and it was me. Yeah. It was me saying overruled, vetoed, overruled, vetoed, and then after a while, I think that that person he just bowed out. Yeah, and and I think that was his coping mechanism because it was easier to bow out than it was to fight that fight. Yeah. And so I think we slipped into those roles because you know people ask me well when did you know it wasn't good that time and I say you know the first year was good and maybe I would say at year five I was like why what are we why are we doing this and that's like not long after you had your second child with him yes so the the timeline for that that people want to know I had six children before I was 30 yeah 
It was right around 30 yeah. that I had my last one. So, yes. And then, you know, my you friends and my close family. 30. You, had, you turned 30 in July and you had her in the fall. Yeah. And so my friends and my and my uh, family probably thought, you know, still, you know, crazy train. Here we are. What are we doing? You know, they can see. You don't have to tell them. They can see the signs of depression. They can see the signs of a parent that doesn't want to engage and, and things like that. Yeah. But it's just funny how someone like you went from one extreme to the other. Well, and it, like I said, it, that was the pitch that I was telling my parents. This isn't that person. You know, this person the first time and then the second person, it was like, okay, this isn't that person. This person yeah. is his own and this is this and this is that. And this is all these, you know, all these wonderful things that I pitched it as. So I think that for me was like, oh yeah, this is going to work this time because this person is not anything like that person. Yeah, so you went to the like polar opposite. Right, right. And the, and the, when we said pause earlier or, you know, and, and pumping the brakes, and I changed that to like slamming on the brakes. You know, that should have happened at, at both times in my life. Yeah. So you had had five kids by the age you're 30. And at this point after your, or six kids, I'm so sorry, you had had six kids by the age of 30, five of which are living, you're raising these five children. And at this point, all of these kids, the three had been adopted by your second husband. And you guys are all living under one roof together. Everybody's hair is on fire. Everyone's hair is on on fire. Everyone is screaming. (laughs) And it's so funny. I've had people say to me like, oh, like you have four sisters, like five daughters. That must have been so great. And I'm just like, no, it (laughs) was hell. It was it was the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah. So it was crazy. But that was our normal. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, sad, but true. But we can all embrace that now and laugh. But at the time, it it wasn't funny. People... (laughs) It wasn't funny. It wasn't. She has like <laughs> she has fear in her eyes. <laughs> I had this. She's well, you know, you have these backs. memories. Like, yes, you have this memory wash over you, and you're like, wait a minute. But now you're like, wait. In that moment, you're like fear, but then you're also like proud. You have you're like, I survived. Fear of like when your parents left the house, and then like your older sister was in charge, and then it's like, no, I don't think you understand. But no, it, it was it was a constant. It was just a constant mess. It just really I was for it, all of us. I think it also got to the point where when your husband at the time was so disconnected and then a lot fell on you. Yeah, and I think that's where you resonate with the single parent thing. But no, I created that. I really can fully admit 100% that I created a lot of that. I mean, that person had a part in whether they were going to continue to engage as a parent and as a spouse or not. I feel that I contributed to putting that person in a place where they couldn't do that because we could not, like I said earlier, we could not get together on the same page as far as the parenting. So it was like, but even I noticed my point of view in it, like asking for help and asking him to do things and things like that. And so I saw a constant struggle in your guys's relationship when you would just ask for simple favors, not even just asking for co-parenting under your own roof, but asking for simple favors that weren't getting done. And so it's like, if you can't pick up Kaylee from school today, even though you're fully well and capable of doing it, and then that adds another thing to your plate. Even if adding another thing to your plate means calling a friend of yours and asking them to pick me up or X, Y, and Z, it was like little things where he just completely was disconnected. Well, I think it was, I think I had a contributing factor yeah. in that, but I also think that the term depression is really broad and, and how that presents itself in, in individuals' 
is the opposite of that is individualized. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I also feel that, that I was in a depressed state in that relationship. And I feel that he was as well. The way that that comes out, not to excuse anything that was said or done, or if you recognize that, then you, you know, have a responsibility to fix that. Yeah. And and treat that for so yourself you and for were your children. Depressed in different ways, neglected. I I think so. That's what I think. In different now. ways. I can yeah. I can see that. I think that. But it's also hard when you're the child of that. Oh, I, I can't imagine. And so it's like I can't imagine that you. You know, it's like almost like your children are backburnered. I personally think, like looking back on it, like maybe he should have not jumped into it. Well, and those are, you know, those are and questions. Those are his decisions sure. that he and those made, are but it also affected yeah. a, a handful of a lot of people. That's my extreme personal opinion. So you guys were married for 22 years. Your divorce from yes. your second husband was your decision. Yes. When do you feel like it got to a point where you were like, okay, I'm exiting? So there was an emotional kind of starting to uh, separate yeah. in an emotional way. I would say the last five years. Yeah. And I would say the last three years. Yeah. For sure that it was like, okay, here I am again. I had been working. Mm-hmm. You know, and had a series of, of different jobs. I'm trying to get these kids, in my mind, I'm trying to get these kids on a path to get themselves educated to get on their own two feet. basically adults at this. I was right. already graduated from Absolutely. School. I still was at... A point You're where... You're about to flee your own empty nest. Yeah, I'm about to... Yeah, my <laughs> nest is on fire. And yes, I went out of there. And, you know, for, for the right reasons, like I said, no no ill towards, you know, that other person. But it was like, this had run its course for way too long. We did this way too long. It's too many people that were involved, meaning my children, that ended up having residual effects of being in that place different kinds of trauma different effects yeah because I think marriage like I said I'm not going to say oh I I should have exited that relationship that second marriage sooner than I did yeah I can say that and you know it sounds so cavalier about it but I also have two children from that relationship so it's one of those double-edged sword or I'm not going to say that wholeheartedly but yes for the betterment of both of our mental health that we both should have exited that sooner than we did that's what I think, really. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that your second husband was unhappy. Yeah, I think I it was obvious, very obvious that you were. You were the one that pulled the blanket out from under everything. Yeah. And all five of your children were struggling. Mm-hmm. And it was very obvious we were all struggling in our own ways. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, five years emotionally detached, three years but I had to really make a plan for myself because, you know, I wasn't going to go forward with this person anymore. And yeah. so I had to start making a plan for myself. At that point, again, here I'm trying to plan this and then I'm having job change after job change. I set that in motion for that to happen. And it was an uncontested situation as well. Yeah. And like no questions asked. It had to happen. No, no. And it, I mean, you know, other than, you know, a property settlement at that time, mm-hmm. there wasn't really anything. It was, you know, two cars and a house and, yeah, you know, kids were doing their thing. Okay. So grandpa passed away in 2017 and your divorce was final the following year, the following fall. Yes. I was actually, I had taken a job that I loved. 
that job was very um you were traveling a lot I was and you know that job was that job gave me what I needed I mean I knew I was capable of it it's while I, you were still living in the same house as your yeah yeah ex-husband. yeah mm-hmm yeah, because that was for I had that job for over a year, mm-hmm. maybe two years. I don't know. I'd have to look. I'd have to look at my resume. But <laughs> that was that job gave me the self confidence that I needed. I didn't feel very valuable, and so then going from that space to and I'm sure I made him feel not valuable either. So, but going from that space to where you felt value, yeah, and then receiving a paycheck for that and receiving, you know, I traveled the United States and sold ballroom gowns. I, like and then I said, you got I traveled to do it for work. Yes, and I got to do it to the extent that there was. I remember in the month of April one year that I was gone 21 days in that month. Yeah. And I, I had just, sometimes I had flown back to Las Vegas from somewhere to be home for a couple of days and then turn around and fly out for a week again. And, but I, I think that that job was very cathartic. By October of 2018, I was Your divorce divorced. Was my divorce, my second divorce was final. And, and you, I bought the house was sold. Yes. The house was already sold before the divorce was final. And you bought a condo. I did. I did. In Las Vegas. I did buy a condo. And I think, you know, from the time of 18 till current, till that time, till the 2018 purchase of the condo, I'm like, oh, wow. Now I made one uh, adult decision that Mm. actually was probably something good that I just was like, oh, I bought something for myself. I did something that was smart. (laughs) It was something that I felt was like so smart. It wasn't that I felt like, oh, so grown up, but it was like, okay, here I was again. You guys are probably not wanting to listen to the rest of this story because you're probably like, good gracious, this woman, her people are probably a little annoyed. Like, lady, it took you this long to get your shit together. Yes. Thank you. So at that point, I, I view that as that was my lack of preparation yeah. all those years ago when I chose not to continue my education. But no, I, I did buy a condo. So I closed escrow on one and closed escrow on the other or whatever it was. Okay. So I sold one and they were cl- they were close. Okay. It, it was a contingency. Yeah. So upon the sale of that house was the contingency on buying the condo. And it was just a really small condo and it was actually right there in the neighborhood that I just had sold that house in yeah it was affordable I had to go with something that I could afford yeah felt comfortable that I could be there by myself but that was my intention was to be there by myself yeah it was close it was all within just a couple months because we're talking October to December yeah and then you hadn't moved in yet so the first week of December is NFR National Finals Rodeo in Las Vegas so Danielle goes to NFR I don't really know all of this. So when the rodeo comes to town, they have extra. You know, I hadn't attended the rodeo that particular year. I went with a, a friend and toured the facility because that person had won tickets. So that was fun. But they had con- free concerts, watch party, whatever, every single night. It's like a huge deal. If you don't know, oh, it's any, massive. I'm sure everyone listening knows what the NFR is. You had to plan a year in advance. Yeah, you re- you really do. And and tickets to the actual event are quite pricey. So they yeah. do these watch parties at every hotel that you just actually can stand in the lobby or the sports book and, and they set up chairs. So yes, I was super excited and had been going to some of the watch parties and concerts and I'm going to ask anybody anything. Yeah. I just am kind of, none of my children are quite to the extreme that I am. She's but. embarrassing. Yes, and I do that on purpose sometimes to my kids. But nonetheless, he let she's me. She's the, sorry, she's no, the good. mom that flirts with the waiter. So that he'll hit on you. I don't want to be hit on. Everybody wants they to be flirted with. hitting on you. Well, that's okay, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's okay too. I don't mind. I borrow this black felt hat from this vendor and I get on this huge, massive taxidermied bowl that has these stairs coming up and I sit on this bowl. At this point in my life, I'm single. Very newly single. Very newly single. And very new to um, dating. It's not so, don't say it. Tinder? Don't say it. I know, but what is the whole thing? Online, is it online dating? dating? It's called online dating. Oh. Dating apps? A dating app. I, that's what I wanted to say. I was looking for dating app. It's so, called Tinder. So I always say, okay. You can call it Tinder. Yes. It was Is that Tinder. what it is? It was. Yeah. I had a Bumble thing too. Is that Bumble still a thing? Okay. So yes. So it was the world of dating apps and I'm like, so that was one of my profile pictures. I guess y'all call it. I don't know. My current husband, that was the picture. He loved that picture. I'm sure considering he thought it was that he's a cowboy. Well, yes, but he knew it wasn't a real bull. It wasn't well, like I'm yeah. just a real I, bull rider. If he I'm thought like, that no, was he, a real bull, he's fired. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't, he, you know, and I've asked him not so long ago, like, you know, what was it? Because I, I barely remember. I think I remember, I know that picture and then another picture that I used. So I ask him sometimes, so what was it about that, you know, you swiped right? What was it? And he goes, it was that last picture of you on the bull. He goes, because I thought this lady has to be like out of her mind, like crazy fun person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. So you took that picture. Yes. At the NFR. Yes. And then posted it. Did you make your Tinder that same weekend? No, I'd had it for a little bit. When my divorce was final, it was shortly after that. I don't remember. Just for funsies, whatever. Yeah, just for fun and just to see. But it wasn't. And I and I actually had gone on some dates do you remember like seeing Gary's profile on Tinder? I do. I remember Gary's because yeah. of the fact that Gary broke every rule that there was. I even knew the rules. Yeah. I knew the Tinder rules. Like, you know, you don't post a picture of like, you don't do the gym selfie. You don't do pictures that are more than 12 months old. Those are their rules. Okay. So Gary's photos were, he had some rodeo photos and yeah. they were sideways. They were more than five years old, but they were, so you know, you were a, catfish, but they were, well, they were him on a bucking horse. So it's like, you couldn't get a real good close up. And then the, what do they say? Piece de the resistance, you know, of his was that he didn't even use his name. <laughs> so that is the one, you know, that's the red flag. Like you swipe left ladies, you know, you don't swipe right on that. How did you know fellas. it wasn't his name? Because whose name is cowboy? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Ah, yeah and there were rodeo pictures a couple of them were actual professional photographer rodeo pictures i remember laying on my bed and i was like oh what's going on on tinder <laughs> so i'm like swipe 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 and then i see this picture and i'm like obviously you don't have a picture of my husband to look at but um most people think he's an actor if you're from las vegas and you know terrible's gas station oh yeah mr terrible he looks like mr terrible Oh, he does, because he has the long black mustache, and it hangs down past his chin. Yeah. And so I basically swiped right on a similar-looking cowboy black hat, you know, not even a traditional cowboy hat. A cowboy-named cowboy? A cowboy-named cowboy, yes, that, I should, should, that I'm supposed to pass over. That's a red flag. You'll have to post a picture, and then they'll, they'll know what we're <laughs> No one will understand. To. No one will understand. Maybe you can post a picture of, maybe you can post a couple, the one of Gary and Mr. Terrible in the side by side. I'm going to, because yeah. it's so funny. If you guys matched, that means he was in Las Vegas at the time. So he, yeah, he was down there on his work vacation for a few days. I actually met him on the very last day he was there. Yeah. I, and then at that point, you know, we just been texting for maybe an hour. Yeah. And I was like, well. I'm changing my clothes because that's really what I was going to go home and do was change my clothes and then go back out because it was still, you know, he's home like at nine o'clock and things yeah. aren't starting, you know, down there until the rodeo, I think it's over at nine. So you're having concerts and whatnot starting at 10. And so 
Yeah. I was headed back down there. So we just decided to meet up at Country Bar. So dating, you know, Gary was living in northern Nevada and I was living in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then I had this traveling job and Gary was actually on the road. Yeah. He'd been down working in Ely for just a little bit at that point. From Las Vegas, you're heading north. You're going to hit Ely in three hours. And then three hours from Ely, you're going to hit Elko. Which is where he lived. Yes. That's yes. Where his he was living. Yeah. Was. Not where he's from, but he was living in Elko. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we kind of did the long distance for a bit. And he would come back down to Vegas and I would go. I went up there. And at this point, it was December. Your house sold, was selling. You had your condo. Yeah. But you were now dating Gary. Yeah, we started seeing each other right off the bat from that first night. And so we just kind of started doing the back and forth, visiting each other. And, and then I, you know, that time for work for me was really slow. And then he was kind of doing the same thing. He was a little bit of a, yeah. as far as work. We did that for a little bit. Then there I was again at this moment where in my life I had to make this decision. With Gary traveling for work and then me traveling for work, we got to a point where I remember having a conversation and he said, you know, this is going to become really difficult. Here I was again, fresh off of a divorce, now dating someone and then dating someone exclusively. I think it's smart to live with a partner before you get married because there's no harm in doing that. I agree with you yeah. 100%. I didn't go into this relationship and the physical moving in with Gary thinking that there's going to be a marriage at the end of the road. Yeah, I, you're I didn't... just having a relationship with this person. Right. A partnership. And Gary expressed to me that he wasn't interested in getting married again. And I was fine with that. I knew that before I moved in. You had the condo in Las Vegas, which was nice when you, you know, came back to town, you had it. And then you moved to northern Nevada mm -hmm. with Gary. Yeah, that was not long after your second divorce was final. The right. difference I feel with your second divorce and you, quote unquote, moving on so quickly is that in your second marriage you had already like emotionally disconnected and yeah. had already moved forward and moved on from that yeah I think and I think both of us in that relationship I think both of us did yeah so I think that was what made it easier for me to be open to another relationship. another relationship. Yeah, because who in a million years would have, I mean, Gary and I talk about this all the time, that somebody on vacation and their last day in Vegas would meet somebody. Yeah, the odds of that and, and being paired with someone that, that it's a good pairing. I mean, people get matched on those all the time. Well, yeah, That's it's not Josh beyond. Met. Yeah, it's not beyond the realm of just all these different things. And yeah. so quit my job, left my kids behind and uh, moved in with my boyfriend and and had no expectations. You moved in in like February? I did. And then we just spent the next little bit driving down to Vegas and moving my items up. And yeah, and I had not left Las Vegas. Yeah, not you left. would never move. Well, I actually, well, I had lived in Henderson for a little bit and I had lived in Boulder City for a little mm -hmm. bit, but not really enough to count. Maybe Henderson, in Henderson and a Las year. Vegas bleed into each other. Yeah, Some and I'm almost Boulder City now. No, but that. And then out of the blue, had dinner on my birthday in Ely, and uh, then the proposal was on my birthday. So then I said yes. We got married a year later to the day, the exact day that we met. What do you think your biggest learning experience was going through two divorces, two very different divorces? Well, so are you asking me what do you think my takeaway is from that? Yeah. From myself? Well, I think my personal takeaway is that I just, I made major life decisions when I was not prepared mentally and emotionally. I wasn't grown enough to be in those roles of wife and mother. I was not prepared for any of that. And and like I said, prepared, I mean, mentally and emotionally. I wasn't, I didn't have the maturity to fit those roles. And trying to do that 
And also adding in the factor that, you know, there wasn't time. I didn't take time to get to know these people. I didn't take time to get to know myself. You know, that really is the biggest thing. Taking the time to figure out who I am and what I want. Because to a certain degree, some of those things change with age and some of them don't. It just depends. Like I said, I thought, oh, you know, I'm ready for this part of my life to begin. And I'm ready for this part of my life to begin, you know, with another person. And I was just completely wrong, wrong about myself learning to get to know yourself better and grow through that and yeah. work on yourself through all of it. Yeah. Looking back, the only time that I felt like and, and actually know that I actually worked on myself was at the end of the second divorce. That was the only time that I felt like I did that. I don't give advice to people because we're all different. We all need to do different things. You can yeah. take people that are, you know, date for two months and they're married for 65 years and it, and it works out just peachy keen. Yeah. That's not my story. Yeah. <laughs> my story's always been busy, crazy, hectic. I don't, I don't think I'm this interesting, fascinating person. I, I really don't. But I think that there's some things that I've had to go through or experience in my life that have shaped who I was, whether they were positive, negative, good, bad, and different, that maybe other people don't have to. And I'm, gl I'm glad for some of those things. You know, I'm glad that not everybody has to experience some of the things that I've, that I've had to go through. Yeah. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us and sharing all of your everything that has brought you here. Life experiences. Divorce crises. Sure. All these yeah. things. Yes. <laughs> raise your hand yes, for everything. Raise, yes. Keep your Stand hand up. up. Stand up and stay standing. Yes. So Danielle's going to join us for our high lows this week. Danielle, what's your high this week? My high for the week is actually that I get to get I get to get on my phone and check something off my bucket list because it has been on my bucket list to be on a podcast. What was your low? Okay, so my low is that <laughs> I have this thing. The whole tone. <laughs> so, you know, I I have to admit that some people tell me that I snore and You do. Well, some people say that, but some people might be right and some people might be wrong. So I go to the grocery store and I buy these little nose strippy things that go over your nose. And let me just tell you, don't, no shout out to the nose strip things that go on the outside of your nose because I think they rip off like two layers of your skin. So then I like get on Amazon and I'm like, okay, snoring aids or whatever it is. So then I'm like, oh, wow, this is something innovative. This is something great. So you stick it in your nostrils Ew. and it magnets oh. to your inside of your nostrils your together. Yeah, at the very tip. And then it has this little plastic piece. So it's almost like a bull ring. You know, you yeah, see a, like a, a bull piercing. with a... Yeah, like a... So I tried it one night and I asked my husband, you know, does this work? And he was like... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I, you know, I think maybe I didn't hear you snoring. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, okay, but now where is it? <laughs> like in the bed. Like, where is this? It's so tiny. It looks like you could stick it in the nose of a mouse. It is so small and it's clear. It's silicone except for the magnet part. So I'm just like, where is this thing? But I like, it's smaller than a dime. So I'm just telling you, you wouldn't even notice because it's silicone and it's smushy and all so this. So any of you that snore... Don't do that thing. Josh. Oh. Yeah, don't try this. I actually brought it with me. Um, well, because it came like four in a box. So I was like, okay, I'm making you guys stick this in your nostril. <laughs> just because. Nostrils are not a place that you're supposed to stick things in. Yeah. We're supposed to be getting things out of our nostrils. <laughs> and so when you're sticking something in there that's magneting together, it is just a foreign object well, in your why nostrils. why don't you just get a septum piercing? 
Because that would be a permanent feeling of this. Wait till you try it. I'm going to make you try it. I brought oh. a, yeah, you got to just put it in for a second. I have a stuffy nose. I can't do that. No, but you've got to just do it. I'm going to have you and Josh do it just each for a second. And then you can see. It's just this weird sensation of having something. So that is my low. Not that I spent the money. I mean, I'm, I'm not even out 20 bucks between two different devices or, or methods. So I'm still like on the hunt for something to help me stop snoring. And I don't want to put 45 more pillows under my head. And I don't want to, you know, drink yeah, three glasses of water upright. or these weird things so if anybody out there listening you know go ahead and message Kaylee and she can pass it on to me or something so that's my low my I'm still snoring my high is that Danielle came to town and is recording with me my low is that my index finger nail my index finger nail is just been breaking like my gel overlay it's just been cracking right off. I've been washing my hands a lot more lately and it's just been cracking. <laughs> Not been having a good time. So anyway, thank you, Danielle, for joining us for High Lows. And thank you for joining us for today's episode and deep diving your divorces and all the fun stuff. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you would like to catch next week's episode, be sure to subscribe and follow along on Instagram at shouldicutbangs.podcast. Everything will be linked in the show notes for you. See you guys next week.